Hello! What you're about to hear was originally released as a Patreon-exclusive episode. We'll sometimes make these available to everyone after some time has passed. If you'd like to hear more content like this, you can get access to our full back catalogue right away by supporting us at patreon.com forward slash unramblings. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Pre-Ramble. These are shorter episodes that we record before our main one where we talk about a single topic, a thing that we've been consuming that doesn't quite justify a full episode, or just whatever we've been thinking about that week. And we're fast approaching the point where I feel like I won't need to define that every time. Although it does give Shannon a chance to get all of her yawns out and that's probably valuable. Yeah, I think it's pretty valuable. Okay, I'll keep doing it and when you complain about it, I'll give that as the reason. I can always cut it out later. You don't edit this one. I edit this That's one. That's true. You could always cut it out later. I could, or I could leave it in. Um, <laughs> Those are the options. Um, so we're recording this on... November 9th, 2020. Yes. It's, um, it's a moment in time. It is. We're all a little bit uncertain. We um, are. Just to sort of ground this, because who knows what tomorrow is going to bring. Right now... Biden has been declared the winner of the presidential election in America. At least the projected winner. Yeah. Um, he has started setting up his transition, and Trump has complained and whined and refused to accept any of this, and is looking like he's going to try and do a full-on authoritarian coup. Possibly. Yeah, he just fired the Secretary of Defense, who seemed to be the moderating voice who was like, no, you can't send troops after protesters in American cities just because you don't like what they're saying. And uh, firing that guy right now seems like a pretty alarming move. Yeah, I hope that two months from now, someone listening to this is going to scoff at how alarmist we sound. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Maybe me sounding at all optimistic will be the thing people scoff at instead. Yeah, we had like a, a nice breath of like a, a hint of, possible optimism and maybe hope for the future and like that's still there but it's definitely very cautious still yeah uh mcconnell has backed him anyway this isn't a politics podcast primarily but it does inform things um the politics that go on around the writing of any work the creation of any work does inform the work which is why today i want to talk about escapist fiction or at least the term that people use escapist fiction and whether that has any relevance to actual writing. What do you think of when you think of escapist fiction? Um, I think of something comforting that has like the ability to transport you outside of your current circumstances. I think that's a lot of the time what people are getting at when they are talking about it. I think that it is also often used in a kind of pejorative way as far as like literature snobbery is concerned, you know? Um, I think it's used by like lay people in the same way that like English professors and people who write about writing refer to genre fiction or like things that are pop culture where they're like as a dis as a distinct category from literature. I think it's like the the common man equivalent, a way of kind of deriding things that are popular and that people like. Yeah, I guess that might be fair. Um I guess I thought of it as something that more the literature snobs use as well, but I think you're right. It is something where, you know, 
everyone kind of talks about it that way. And it's the kind of like um, people liken it to chocolate. Mm-hmm. Like it's that there's no real value in it, but it's fun while it lasts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Longtime listeners of Unramblings have definitely heard me rant before, I'm sure, about things like popular fiction and genre fiction and people who denigrate sci-fi. Um, I think one of our early episodes on Left Hand of Darkness, I talked about how, you know, sci-fi gets cast off as escapist and popular fiction that doesn't have any worth to it and how it's one of the things that most overtly does comment on our world. Um, I think escapist fiction is a term that's used to suggest that it doesn't make you think. Sure. Um, Like, there's not any deep meaning in there. It's just some fun for you. Yeah, but I, I think that in a lot of ways, that's partly because of the perspective of our culture and like Western capitalist culture as like not seeing value in breaks at all or in like in things like vacations and time away, time not spent working and adding some nebulous co- concept of value to yourself or other people if you're not lining someone's pockets it's a waste of time I think is a lot of the perspective is why like so many people don't take their vacation time and people are discouraged from doing that or feel bad about spending money on vacations and things like that they I think a lot of the time people try and justify it in some other way like it's something you need to do so your kids have a healthy upbringing or whatever or so that you're getting something else that you can point to out of it and I think it in a in our very capitalist oriented profit-driven society, it's hard for people to just appreciate and see the value in recovering and taking time away and taking space and just breathing and existing. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I hadn't really thought of it in that way. Um, And sort of two big things I want to take away from that is, one, yeah, it's, it's escapist is you're running away from something. There's no suggestion that you're getting some other enrichment from the fact that you're sitting there and reading this book. Um, its only value is to detach yourself from this world in a way that is, I guess, framed as cowardly? I think so, or framed as weak. I think it's like you can't handle the real world, and so you're escaping away into this other fantasy world in your mind. And I think that that's something that only has these negative connotations because of this framing that like if you're not doing something quote-unquote productive that's a larger toxic perspective in our society that you're wasting your time and you must not be getting anything out of it because there's nothing tangible or financial coming out of it and like I know that I used to read constantly growing up and I think a lot of that was in a lot of ways escapist but it was escaping from situations I couldn't control into worlds that I could choose and where I could think about it however I wanted to. But there's definitely a lot of value in reading no matter what it is because anything that you're reading, especially if it's if it's a fictional thing, you're learning how to put yourself in the perspective of people going through things that you've never experienced. You're imagining things that you never would have thought of otherwise. It's an exercise in thought and creativity. So there's always something you're getting out of it. It's just whether or not other people find those things to be valuable or even think about them at all. Yeah. I mean, even if you take it, just to go back to what you were saying before, as it is only you taking a break from the world and switching off, 
there's still an inherent value in that that shouldn't be denigrated. I think it's the same reason we get denigration of the term staycation. Yeah. It's, oh, you're going to just take some time off and you're not going to go somewhere and experience anything. You're just going to relax. Oh, okay then. Um, Like, if someone's in a position where a staycation is what they want, either they enjoy their damn house and leave them alone, mm -hmm. they can't afford to go on a proper vacation because our society is trash. See, I said I mean, proper I vacation, say, Larry, which yeah, shows like how much it gets in your brain. Yeah. Um, Traditional vacation. Yeah. Or they just need to not be expending that energy, again, because society, trash, people always run ragged, or at least this society. Um, yeah. So back to what you were saying about um, you're always getting the perspective of someone else's experiences when you're reading work. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think a lot of the time... Escapist fiction is thrown at, I mean, the genre fiction. Mm -hmm. um, so science fiction, we've talked about a lot before. It's ways of modeling an analogy of the world and changing it how you want to. Um, I'm not going to keep harping on that. We've talked about it a lot before. One of our YouTube videos discusses it a little bit. Um, and then I think the other two things are that spring to my mind, at least, would be murder mysteries, which I would say certainly you get different perspectives even in something vaguely formulaic like um you know procedural things or old christie books and things like it's the characters that come up within those and how they divert from those formulas and also it's a lot about what is the status quo what threatens status quo how do we return to status quo do we return to status quo there's a lot of questions raised in that about our society and about the people in it um, and then the other one, which we talked very briefly about, I don't have much experience with reading it myself, was romance. You've certainly mentioned before that there's some denigration of that because of the gender that typically reads it. Yeah. And that's not something I can speak to a ton because I also haven't read a lot of strictly romance novels, but I've read a lot of works that are very cross genre of which romance is a significant component of like that inter genre like mix. And the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text um, group have a like offshoot podcast about writing or writing romance novels as a sacred practice. And I haven't listened to that one, but they dropped a few in that feed. But that's part of what they talk about is the, the way that that's looked down on. But a lot of the time those are exercising specific ideas and it's a way to imagine a happy ending often in a and like a big part of that, the reason that they're doing that podcast is to teach people how to imagine a happy ending for themselves when they don't see a way to get to one from the state that they're currently in for a lot of reasons. And so like even something that's like even the one that's like kind of epitomized as like escapist and I guess there's sort of that sort of chocolate, you know, um, meritless type of reading material, which I, is not my opinion, but, you know, I'm saying is the one that would often get, I think, held up the most as not contributing a whole lot to your, like, intellectual, I don't know what I'm saying, nutrition. Um, that's not true if you actually look at it, and there are a lot of systemic um, misogynist bias at play in those assumptions. Which I think comes down to sort of the point I want to make here, which is you say it, it's there if you look for it. Yeah. And I think that that's something that you see with so much of the fiction. I mean, it's it's why we do this podcast. Yeah. It's because 
we talk about a lot of various popular culture things that aren't going to be discussed in academia because they're seen as frivolous. A lot of the things that we talk about are seen as escapist fiction. And you could watch them and not think about any of the things that we go on about for two hours in our episodes. But you could watch them and see all that stuff if you were looking at it with that eye, because we do. Mm-hmm. Or we just see toxic masculinity everywhere. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I mean, and I think that's, an, I think the reason we see it everywhere is because it is everywhere. Like, it's such a part of the fabric of, again, Western civilization. Right. Um, so I think, I'm not sure how people quantify escapist fiction. And I've talked a lot about this with popular fiction as well. I think that if you ask someone to explain escapist fiction to you, they would probably fairly quickly fall back to it's mass market paperbacks that you buy in an airport and you take on a plane or to the beach and they don't mean anything. And that mass market paperback, you buy it at the airport because you don't have a book to take with you or to, like there's so much classism built into that of the idea of, oh, it's the book that only costs six ninety nine. Mm-hmm. They're not buying the twenty nine ninety nine hardbacks. Yeah. So I think that yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that dimension of, like, the classism there, but I think that's an important component, too, like, similarly to why romance novels get, you know, shit on so much, because it's something that predominantly women read, and I think mysteries get similar treatment for similar reasons, um, but also, like, our culture also has a very um, well-established trend of also looking down on anything that is appreciated by middle and working class and impoverished people and so those like little affordable luxuries that can kind of take you out of the difficult parts of life for a little while do get dismissed a lot as not being valuable in any meaning like any it's not being valuable in terms of like adding to who you are your skills or your abilities yeah i mean to take two very small tangents from that um one you say mysteries denigrated as um also being a thing that a lot of women read yeah um i think it's interesting with that that if you look at the stereotypes around them there is definitely women's mysteries and men's mysteries which is i have an old co-worker who would explain to me that she 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 couldn't talk to the women because she only read men's mysteries it's like okay the men's (sighs) mysteries have guns don't they right like that's i feel like that's the main difference one has cupcakes one has guns but otherwise the same stories like it's going to be very similar tropes played out and story structures anyway it's the same (laughs) ideas one has more spies that are running around shooting people and one has spies who are undercover and sneaking around the tea party yes it's princesses and superheroes but grown up right and it's it's bullshit it is Um, it's complete bullshit but you still get that denigration in the same way Mm -hmm. um on the other end of things, um, this is tangent number two for those keeping track. <laughs> um, I worked in major retail bookstore for three and a half years um, and then stopped because COVID. Um, and I worked in three stores in that time. The second store I worked in was in a, it's in a much poorer area. Um, our daily totals weren't massive. And we got a lot of people who came in and bought mass markets. That was the main thing we did because it's what people could afford so people would come in they'd look at the hard covers and they'd go i'll come back in a year when it's going to be 25 dollars cheaper okay fair. um i then moved to a store in a much richer neighborhood 
and they had taken the fixture that the mass market books lived on and thrown it away and had this strong idea that this store doesn't really sell mass markets. They did. I sold plenty of them. But there was this concept of we don't sell that. That's not what people here are looking for. They're looking for the hard covers that are more expensive and classy. We don't really sell romance in this store. Which, you know, they then stuck it in a dark corner in the back of the store because they don't sell it. And then, of course, they didn't sell it because it was stuck in a dark corner in the back of the store. Anyway, that's my story of retail and classism in book selling. Um, the actual point I was going for, back to escapist fiction, is I think that it's a very arbitrary thing that's applied for a lot of stupid reasons. Um, I think that you can read for escapist reasons. There are certainly times in the last four years that I've wanted to escape. Uh, there have been times in the last four years where I've not been able to focus on words long enough to escape, but that's not the thing. But I don't think that escapist fiction is a type of writing. I think escapist fiction is a type of reading. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Like, there are times when you are reading to have a break from the world and to have a change of scenery in your thoughts. And I think that that is an important thing to be available to people. And sometimes it might be a book, sometimes it might be movie or a television show or YouTube videos or a podcast, you know, there are a whole lot of ways to do that. But I don't think it's a particular type of creative thing to reach out to that is all that is just inherently just colored lights to distract you from the world with no merit. Like, it, I think that people are drawing it, it and have the same concerns about like, um, some of the comments people will make when they're concerned about like baby programming and like are concerned it's going to turn babies brains into mush you know because it's just soft sounds and pretty lights and distracting shapes and things like that and the things that people don't understand is that that programming is tailored to the audience undergoing particular brain development that really is getting important things out of that like one of the most stimulating things for an infant of the age to have a mobile is a mobile because it's how they're learning about spatial relationships and the way things move and it doesn't seem terribly fascinating or stimulating to an adult because you're way past that point that's not what you need to get out of it but that doesn't mean that the content isn't there that doesn't mean the value isn't there right so like you know it's the same kind of concerns like oh i don't want my baby watching baby tv because it's not going to stimulate their brain and it's like yeah it is if you think about what stimulating their brain means yeah, it is. And just like, you know, if you're reading that romance novel and it is stimulating a part of your mind that has maybe had a very hard time even articulating the idea of what a happy ending is or what a relationship in which someone makes you feel loved and appreciated would look like, like, it's an incredibly valuable thing if it's something that you otherwise would have a hard time understanding. Right. It's the difference between watching Star Wars and going oh, this is a fun romp where people shoot each other with laser pistols and wave around light swords and fly through space and going, okay, what does this say about imperialism and what are the problematic issues that come up with droids as sentient beings that are effectively slaves? Um, they're two very different ways of enjoying the same media. Yeah. You shouldn't just do one of those things. You should be able to enjoy both of those. Yeah, and you can't categorize the specific work in either way because it's like so many other things that's how you engage with it yeah i had a professor i did some teaching assistant work for who very much enjoyed dissecting the work of marcel proust who i find very boring 
Um, but she would say her guilty pleasure was to go home and watch Judge Judy because it was meaningless to her. Now, I think you could watch Judge Judy with a very critical eye as to why is our culture finding that amusing. That's not how she watched it. She read Proust for that. But it's different ways of interpreting the same things. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, that was a fun way to wrap that up. Um, I feel like we should say something else. I don't know, I just, I, I think that escapist is a brush off type of term that whether it's meant to or not makes people feel bad about enjoying the things that they enjoy and makes people feel guilty about self-care ultimately. And that's bullshit and you should enjoy things and you should take that bubble bath with that romance novel if that is what you need at the end of a long day to feel comforted and, you know, think of a better feeling in general. You know, if that's something that helps you, then I don't think that you should let anyone make you feel like it's a waste of your time because it, it's making you feel better, right? It's comforting you. That's a good thing. And that that's not something that anyone should be able to have the power to make you feel shitty about. Yeah, that that's a good way to end it. Um, if you massively disagree with us, let us know. If you massively agree with us, make let us know as well because it will make me feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> Um, thank you for enjoying this pre-ramble and thank you for all of our Patreon supporters that make doing these little extra episodes possible. We really appreciate the support there. Um, if you're listening to this live, you can just stay right on our Discord channel and we will get into our episode on Doctor Sleep in just a moment. If you're not listening to this live, um, I mean, you can probably go and listen to the episode now anyway, probably out at this point. Uh, but also you should listen to us live. It's fun. You get to hear us make all the little slips. You get to hear us make fun of each other a little bit more often than we do on the podcast. I think we leave a lot of that in. Um, it kind of depends. Yeah. Um, you'll get to hear our cats occasionally be jerks or occasionally be adorable cuddle machines. Um, and uh, sometimes we do other annoying things like hit the microphones and stuff. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> you can hear all of Charlene's yawns in real time. Um, also please do tell your friends about the show about Patreon um, any support is much appreciated um, and you know come and chime in with your questions on our Discord channel either in real time or leave them for us to find later thanks for listening to the pre-ramble we hope that you will join us next time